Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 165 of the Vex on Vex podcast. My name is VexX. This is the closest thing to morning radio the Vex on Vex podcast has ever done. And joining me, as always recently, our dear friend Dave. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. I'm better than you probably right now. You work nights. I do. This is not morning radio for me. This is morning radio for me. This is drive time radio. So I, I rolled over. And I looked at the clock, and it was like 7.05, and you're like, I'm home by 7. And I'm like, I should probably turn my phone on, because I think Dave is going to come over, you know, and do yes. the, the podcasting, as we had discussed, early morning, so I could do things later in the morning. And I, uh, yeah, I turned my phone on, and you're like, hey! And I was like, oh, I don't know how long ago he texted me. I'm like, give me an ETA. <laughs> and you were like, oh, 40 minutes, and you were right on the button. As I was walking into the living room, you were calling me. I'm always on top. That's not true. I'm rarely late. Mm. Mm. Traffic's not your fault, though. No, no, I, I can't deal with traffic. traffic. We have a couple of topics. We do. Look, tell me about your, your feelings on the band Rush. Oh, we're going to start there? Yeah. Right. Fuck Rush. There, that's that's the topic. Fuck Rush. Which, I hate Rush. They're terrible. The, you're speaking music to my ears. What's your beef with Rush? My biggest beef? Uh, number one, Getty Lee's voice is like nails on a chalkboard to me. Totally agree. I, I absolutely hate it. Also, I feel like a lot of bands who are very technical, I can listen to it for a minute and appreciate it. But at some point, I'm like, can you just beat on that E string for a minute and make it cool? Like, can you just. <laughs> so that's my other issue. And my third issue is, yo, grow a set of balls. Like, like there is nothing like rock and roll tough about rush they are soft they're from canada eh? yeah which is maybe part of the reason not why a lot of suck. tough things in canada Bullshit. although hockey players are pretty fun hockey tough. players are tough as shit but that's dude. a small majority of the no, entire i think everybody plays hockey in canada not I, professionally i think it's like the <laughs> army in china i think you're required to play hockey I, they do like the hockey all right I, I have i've said this before many times on the show i'm gonna say it again this is not my parallel. This is not my story. But um, Steven Tyler said when you're a kid and you start playing rock and roll with your friends, it's a lot like jerking off. Like you Fair. don't really get your rhythm right. You're just happy to be there. But eventually you bring in a rhythm section and a bass player and you like build a band and now you're fucking. Yeah. And you're never fucking if you listen to Rush. Like if you have sex to Rush, no one's coming. That's my point. Like that's, it's just That's a fair point. I agree with that statement. Now. On the flip side. Like the dude we saw dancing at the Corrosion of Conformity show. Oh. <laughs> a lot of inebriation in that gentleman's life. I, I don't know if he was inebriated or if he <clears throat> just stopped. White guys. <laughs> it's not, a thing. Not us. Well, I, I have rhythm. But yeah, I also have great rhythm. Do you dance well? No. Nor, funny enough. Nor I do really I. Don't. I have a feet issue. I can stand in the mirror when I was a little kid and I can do all those dances that like George Michael and Prince were doing, yeah. but I can't move my feet well, but my body's like, you know, I got all that. That's fair. That's probably about where I'm at. But Same my feet thing. are a problem. And then I remember being on the That's dance floor. That's why we floor. don't play drums. Feet are a problem. I play drums. Are you good at it? I can hold a beat. I'm not Johnny Mac or anything, obviously, right. but I can hold a beat. You are. If you are. Johnny Mac's an excellent When you do something for 35 years, you better be good. I don't know. <laughs> And that's the people that done things for a long time. They've been doing it wrong forever. When we were like little, like teenagers, he already had a full drum kit. To the point where when other people had shows, they would borrow his drum kit for the show. What happens now? That's how I met him, though. 
no, but like as kids, like I didn't know Johnny. He had stolen a guitar player of mine, right? But we had never met because there's no social media back then. Right. We don't know each other. Who is this <clears throat> No, no, no. He was really accommodating and a cool guy. He looked like Jeff Ament back then from Pearl Jam. Okay. He had the exact same face and the long hair. Like I was like, hey, it's the bass player for Pearl Jam. And I walked up and I was like, hello, uh, I heard you own the drum kit on the stage. He's like, yeah, I'm like, can me and my friends get up and jam on your drum kit when they're done? He's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And then we made friends. And then we figured out later, I'm like, you're that guy that stole my guitar player. He's like, yeah, I'm that guy that stole your guitar player. <laughs> you know, <laughs> 30 that. years later. I did that. He, he does that. <clears throat> your current guitar player, he stole from somebody. You, yeah. don't know, you don't know that story, do you? No, I don't. Because I have heard this tale. However, <clears throat> it has been told from the perspective of said guitarist. And it is slightly different than what you just said. Oh, no, no. I'll tell you what happened. I'm interested. Though. Okay. So, this is, I got to tell it from my angle. When cool. I was a little kid, I was a paper boy. I'm like 11 years old, maybe 12. And I'm walking, doing the paper thing. And this neighborhood kid walks up and he's got a box. He's like, hey, come here. And I'm like, uh-huh. That's weird. And the box is smoking. So he opens the lid. He's like, look, man, dry ice. And I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. He's like, don't touch it. You're going to burn yeah. your hand. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just woke up. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So he rolled his sleeve over his hand. He picked it up. And he's like, yo, if you could drop this in water, you got a stage show. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I don't know who you are, 11-year-old dude, but I like how you think, right? So we kind of introduced each other at that point. And I'm the paper boy locally. And I would go down his street every day doing papers. His name was Steven. We became friends. And <laughs> over dry ice at a stage show, right? Like from the door, it's like, hey, rock and roll, man. So we become friends, whatever, whatever. Trials and tribulations, high school. I get into a band. He's not in a band yet, but he's interested, blah, blah, blah. Like when we were little kids, we wanted to be in a band together, but neither one of us could play yet. So it was yeah. like fucking shitty. And then I got a band together, and then then that band, I leave, it becomes The Broken with King Sam. And so he became our first manager. So Because he, he was smart. He was always a smart guy. He was talking about stage shows when I was 11. That's pretty advanced shit. Yeah, yeah. We literally, this is in my book that none of you fuckers read, but that's fine. We got a big tin. Highly overpriced. It's very overpriced. <laughs> a big, but it's worth it, because I'm cool. Especially if you buy it with the autograph. If you buy the autograph, I'm a piece of shit. No. <laughs> It's a hundred dollars. So like a metal wash bin and we filled it with rubbing alcohol and put it in his yard and fucking lit it. Cause we're watching Motley Crue on Motley Crue and Center talking about how they used to do this when they were nobody. And right. we're like, we're going to make a stage show. We didn't have a band by the way, no, just making a stage show. So all you did was start a fire. So we started the side of the garage catches immediately. And we're like, Oh my God. And his parents were like at work or something. And he's smart. The kid's smart. He gets the hose. He douses it. All their smoke billowing in the sky. The neighbor pops his head out. He's like, what are you boys doing? And we're like, nothing. He's like, Certainly not starting like, a fire. Do you sir. see smoke? We're like, no, sir. We're just here, you know, hanging out with our metal tin. Yeah. <laughs> not doing anything. So clearly he had a brain for this. So he becomes the manager. When I had to negotiate, we went to a local show. There was a band on stage. There was a crowd. We had our guitar player and me and I guess a drummer. We didn't have a bass player. And I was like, if we can find somebody to play bass, we'll go up there and we'll jam in front of these kids. It'll be fucking awesome. And Johnny Mac let us use his drum kit. Nice. So that's how I meet Johnny. Did you jam in front of those kids? Oh, yeah. Was it awesome? It was awesome. 
It was actually really great. Was it really awesome, or did you just think it was awesome? No, it turns out that he, Sam could always really play, yeah. and we had rehearsed for a long time at this point. We blew everybody off the stage. Like It was just a bunch of kids playing. Yeah. We were polished more than them, so it was like, <clears throat> it was great. Anyway, so we, that's, as I meet Johnny Mac in person. Now, a few months later, me and the manager guy, Steve, who I'm friends with a long time at this point, have a falling out over abroad. Of course we do. He dimed me out to my girlfriend because I was being an evil vex, right? Which is a different story, which is available on the YouTube, blah, 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 blah. So fine. We don't talk anymore. While we're not talking, he builds his own band. Who do you think the drummer is? Johnny Mac. Johnny fucking Mac. So then a year goes by, a promoter hooked us back up. Because we were drawing well, and they were drawing well, but if you put us together, we could pull some money. Right. Which the promoter was smart enough to know. He was right, by the way. So now, we're one big happy rock and roll family again. They look like Marilyn Manson. We look like Dirty Pearl Jam. Like, that's what we look like. We were kids. Yeah. And people like dug it, right? So we're a band. Now me and Johnny are friends. Like, we're friend friends. And Steven, and we're friends in the whole thing. And then years go by... Steven puts the band back together, like in the 2000s. Johnny Mac's in it for a while. Johnny Mac marries the worst person ever. And I hate her so much. To this day, I hate her. I hate her. I'm fascinated that you hate Johnny Mac's ex-wife more than you hate your own. No, I do. She's actually worse. And mine's the worst, and his is actually worse. She's such a bad person. And he's a good guy. Dude, like, I'm kind of like, like neat. One of the best human beings I know. Exactly. And I'm not. So my ex-wife not liking me kind of makes sense. Right. His and ex-wife you being probably a, earned it. <laughs> but his ex-wife is just the fucking the beast. I hate her so much. So he wasn't allowed to talk to us for like a decade, more or less. That's and that was my boy, right? The point is, now he leaves her. They're breaking up. Thank God he's back, right? He starts playing again music because he could do his thing. And he needs a guitar player. Gary went through Gary's trial and tribulations. I don't know if you remember, but he used to run Dobbs. Yes. He was kind of a big fucking deal. When he was on top, he was always nice to us. And I remember shit like that. Yeah. So then the wife doesn't like him magically anymore. And that's exactly what kind of fucking happened. Now, Gary's a handful, but it was just one day. She's like, poof, get the fuck out. And he's like, wait, I don't have a house, you know? And she's like, yeah, get the fuck out. He's like, but all my, my stuff, it's, it's here. She's like, get the fuck out. He's like, Okay. And he was cool. I wouldn't have been cool. I'm like, bitch, I'm staying. He leaves. He's ostracized from the club. He's blacklisted. All these people kissing her ass because she was running the club yeah. turned their back on him. Now, he was a good dude yes. to everybody. He wasn't a piece of shit. When he was the king, he was nice to everyone. And I remember this shit. Right. So I call him up and I'm like, hey, bro, my friend Steve, remember Steve? Yeah. is putting together a digital project he could use a guitar player. He's like, you know what? I thank you so much. I could use that. You know what I mean? So I hooked them up. Now, Steve likes Gary because you met Gary. Very charming. Charismatic. Hard not to like. Exactly. And good guitar player. Like, he can really write a lot of ideas fast. Yeah. And that's impressive to other musicians. So now Steve's got him on the hook. And I'm telling Johnny Mac, oh, I hooked Gary up with uh, your old singer Steve. And he's like, I need a guitar player. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. And he's like, give me Gary's number. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. It seems like a bad idea. He's like, yeah. So yeah, I, I give him the number. And Gary jams. I'll be honest, that's a bold move from Johnny Mac. That's no. a bold move. He's playing chess. We're all playing checkers. Johnny Mac sees way far down the fucking board. I'm not playing either. He, he sees it. So he fucking brings him out for one jam. 
when you play with Johnny Mac, it's pretty good, right? They didn't have the oh, they didn't have that singer yet. So it's Johnny Mac, the bass player that will not be named, and Gary. But again, jamming with Mac is pretty good. So Gary's looking at this real band and this guy with a computer, and yeah. Gary made his own decision. This is Gary. And he was like, oh, he called Steve. He's like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I think I'm going to do this other thing. And Steve's like, what other thing? What other thing? And he's thing? like, oh, I met this guy, John and Mac. He's such a good drummer. Boozy, boozy, bop. And now Steve loses his fucking mind oh. and writes Johnny Mac a diatribe fuck you email. And they've been friends for 30 years at this point. I feel like you got to let that shit go. We felt like he stole his girlfriend, kind of. That's kind of the thing. It's Gary. So So that becomes, it was the 2F Club, which was the worst name in American history. That's that's, that's not good. Then it becomes We Are One. Yeah. And then now it's, you know, Pistol Razor. Now it is Pistol Razor. (laughs) But Johnny Mac kind of stole your guitar player from somebody. That's okay. They're both in my band now, so I don't care what they did in the past. Now, my friend. Now. This month. This month. 30 years ago, all of the Amy Fisher TV movies debuted in America. Now, we have Drew Barrymore as one of them. Who's the girl from Who's the Boss? Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano and an unknown actress that didn't do anything. Did you look into this at all? I did. And I still don't know who the unknown actress is. She's cute, though. However, however, are you aware of who the Joey Buttafuoco character is in the Drew Barrymore version? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Which guy is it? Who is it? It's Mark Ruffalo. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Uh-huh. No, it's Ma- not. Mark Ruffalo. Yep. No, it's not. It's Joey Buttafuoco. There's no way. I can see the guy in my mind. There's no way. Opposite of Drew Barrymore is Mark Ruffalo. 100%. Yes. I'm going to look it up. Please do, because I know I'm not wrong. Mark Ruffalo, Amy Fisher story. You see me film. You see me too. <laughs> Is it really? Oh, it is. 100%, dude. He's the Joey Buttafuoco? Yep. I don't believe it. Oh, yeah. Let me see. Wikipedia. Now you've seen me American. No, that's not it. Fuck. Hold on. Are you sure? I'm 100% sure, dude. Drew Barrymore, Amy Fisher film. IMDb. I'm telling you, it's her. It's him. I don't think it is. I would have remembered that. I'm smart. <gasps> oh, no, you're 100% wrong. No, I'm not. I mean, his name is Tony Denshin. No. I mean, I'm looking at his face. I can send you a screenshot. Dun, 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 dun. Mark Ruffalo is too young. No. This is 30 years ago. He's not that young. Yeah, but he was 20-something 30 years ago. He was playing a middle... Yeah, I got the guy right here. Tony Denshin joined the cast of The Closer, starring Kara Sedwick. And as Ooh, detective, she's to Kevin Bacon. that's a whole fucking thing too. We'll talk about it in a second. So yeah, I'm going to send you this screenshot. Unfortunately, my friend, that is not Mark Ruffalo. So where did you get that information from? Because uh, IMDb is a thing. We can look this up. No, I mean I could have sworn it was not though. And I got again. I got to stress that it just he didn't look like that back then. He was a young man. I, I, oh, actually, I remember Mark Ruffalo's first movie being in the late '90s, and this is in 1993. So let's okay, look. I apologize. I can Lied to everybody. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, no one went to jail or anything. I think you're going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Amy Fisher story is the true story of the Long Island teen who shoots and wounds the wife of a man she called her lover. Released in 1993, it stars Drew Barrymore. 
Tony Denishan, Harley Jane Kozak as Amy Bagaza. I don't know these fucking names. Yeah. All right. Good times. So, regardless of that, looking back. Looking back. Do you remember what a, a juggernaut of a news story this was? Of course I do. I'm older than you. I was there. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was on Stern. I feel like I feel like uh, the Amy Fisher story was like Jersey Shore version one. Mm. It was like first gen Jersey Shore. It's actually really tragic, actually. It kind of is. Because Amy Fisher came from a family with money, so she's not poor, and just became a hooker, a professional call girl, just for shits and giggles. Like, that's fucked up. Like, she didn't need the money. That's weird. And that I don't know. She was very attractive. Do you know she's only a year older than me? Yeah. That's fucked up. That's all right. I was. Go ahead. I guess she liked older dudes. Yeah, and I remember in every one of the movies, she's like, "The sex is so good." <laughs> yeah. When you're fucking sixteen, you're just happy to be there. I don't know. It's good. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you probably know a difference. I mean, if it really knocked your socks off compared to what you've had in the past, I guess. I guess if you're a hooker, I, I don't know. But she was that. That's that's the wrinkle. It's not that. She, all right. In well, my mind, then. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, that was the problem. Like, was she a full-on hooker at that point? Yes, with the beeper and the whole thing. Okay. That's the wrinkle. So she she has a dad. He's got money. He buys her a nice car. I think it was like a shitty, like, back then, they had the weird-looking Dodge Daytona Mustangs. Okay, yeah. Remember that kind yeah. of body shape? I think she had one of them. And she's abroad, so she keeps driving into shit. And they go to the body shop. <laughs> that's, wow, that's not going to fly well. Somebody's going to get upset about that. The, the, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, I am not going to tell you that women can't drive. I will not tell you. Oh, no, but you can tell me they drive poorly. No, I I will not tell you that all women drive poorly. I didn't say the word all. What I will tell you is is that, ladies, if you're listening, don't get mad at me. Don't write letters, all right? Who writes letters? I I don't know. Who sends text messages? Look, we were talking about the 90s. I'm stuck there now. Here I am. All right. Writing letters. Don't send text messages, but I will tell you this. There are some women out there that are doing your gender no favors. All right? That's a thing. <laughs> that is a thing. There are some really bad drivers out there. And, yes, some of them are women. I've had three wives. Getting in the car with any of them driving was a fucking problem. Now, all right, as a young vex, a young man, I sped. And I didn't even have fast cars. I had giant pieces of shit that I would drive yeah, quickly. We, right? all did. we all did that. And I, I drove under a tractor trailer once. Nice. Didn't get my head cut off. That was nice. I fucked up a lot of cars. So eventually I learned, hey, maybe follow the fucking speed limit, right? I mean, I mean it's there for me. So by like my mid-20s, I was a completely different human being. I've been driving a long time by then, seven, eight years. Yeah. So now, all right, I'm an adult. Now I have a work truck. I even have a Corvette. I don't go crazy with I do a little, but I don't go crazy with it, right? Every time I go out, I drive. And I remember so you're sitting in a house. We purchased this house in t- 10 years ago, 2013. I purchased this house, right? So it's 10 years. And almost. We would follow the realtor from house to house. And this bitch is like, shoo, shoo. and I didn't yeah. give a fuck. I'm not speeding. I'm right. not going to die for you, realtor bitch. I don't know that well, <laughs> yeah. right? And we get there and she's like, oh, you drive so slow. And I never thought about it. So then if the wife drove, I'm like, oh. <gasps> All of them. Three wives. No one could drive. I I dated a girl for a while who, to this day, I am convinced that she was unaware that there were points on the accelerator between not touching it and to the floor. 
I don't think she knew there was a middle area. And that's my thing. Like, they're fucking, they're, they don't get it. They just don't get it. And it's okay yeah. that they don't get it. I'm not mad that they don't get it. I like when they're older and they bought their own car and they do their own maintenance because that's what did it for me. I was like, oh, if I don't drive like a piece of shit, my car is going to last longer. My tires are going to last longer. My brakes are going to last longer. So I stopped driving like a piece of shit. Like it wasn't the most complicated thing in the world to handle. Do you know why women are bad drivers? <clears throat> no. They've been constantly lied to about what eight inches behind them looks like. It's not their fault. Hopefully dude. they could feel the difference. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Right. You're like behind them. Do you know why women never pick where they want to go eat? Yeah. Why is that? I can tell you why. Why? Because the last time one of them did, they doomed all humanity. But um, ah, see that? No, for real, I don't know why that's a thing. So, what's your thought on Amy Fisher? The whole thing. <clears throat> this is thirty years these movies came right. out. Right. I I feel like how does it get to the point where she shoots dude's wife in the face though? Like <clears throat> women are crazy. Well, yes, but did, all right, you're married a long time. Is she in general in love with Joey Bonafuco and does this on her own? All right, with his his macho. Greaseball, Long Island Zuba pants thing that he had going on. He was charming because he's still charming. He is. Okay. He's actually selling this weird weed product with Tommy Chung right now. That's amazing. Right now. It's the kind of thing, it's like a baggie where you can sit at your desk and just kind of eat them like like slivers of gum and right. just get fucked so up. They're edibles. they're edibles. And he's like marketing this shit. Edibles are spectacular from time to time. But he's a charming guy. Now, he's an old man now. He was never handsome per se, but the gift of gab will get you far with the legs opening. That's I just, can vouch for that. That's okay. just life. That's just life. And he could talk. And he's like, hey, Joey, doing? He's a fun guy. Yeah. And, you know, he had a boat. <laughs> Very Tony Soprano-esque. He was, he, was, he was 90s Pauly D. He really was. No, because yeah. Pauly D had a waist. Like, this is a big, pudgy dude. It don't matter. Anyway, that has nothing to do with it. A little bit. No, you're giving me the Paulie D fucking thing. So he's like charming. He's nice. All right, I'm gonna tell a parallel to my life. No one got shot, but uh, kinda. No I one got. How can you kinda get shot? Well, no, no, no. But I had. Yo, let me tell my story. Spectacular. I was with a woman. We were living together, and I slept with a girl who was not that woman. And I was like, listen, I'm with so and so. You know that. She's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, all right, we can do a thing, but it's not going to be a thing, you know? Right. So I slept with her, and then I slept with her again, and then I kind of regret it. I'm like, no, you know? So then the third time. What the, what the youth today would call a side piece. It's, no, it is. It was, it was definitely. And she knew. You yeah. can never lie to your side piece. Right. Kids how, never lie to your side however, piece. However, that wasn't a term that existed <clears throat> back then. So, you know, it is. What so it. I sleep with her three times, and then I break it off. And I'm like, okay, you know I'm with so-and-so. We can't do this anymore. And so I go out one night to go to a show to support a band, and she decided to call the person on the phone. Hi, your man's fucking me, blah. And then my person's like, no, he wasn't. You're out of your fucking mind. And then she had pictures. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> so the and, pic they, and they weren't cell phone pictures. No. Like she had to work for that. Oh, no, no, no. They were cell phone pictures. Like, she's sucking my dick. Like, Shh. And I was like. But I'm like. I'm in the pictures. I'm Oops. in the pictures. So obviously there's evidence. So I come home, I don't know, five hours later. I'm all happy. I had a great night. And this person's livid. Which and I, is to be expected. And I think the other person thought that was going to happen is that I 
would then be kicked out of my living arrangement and I'd have to move in with her or go bright to her arms. But I'm not that person. You're not going to force my hand ever. So I just froze out the other one. And then I had to break up with that. This, so I lost them all in one day. I didn't care. That's life. I'm going to do it. So I can see a woman at 16 years old, probably recreationally using some drugs here and there, maybe pills, a little fucked up going, I'm going to shoot this bitch in the head. And then he's going to have to be with me. Right. Now I'm not saying it's right. I don't know how it got to that point. And imagine being the guy. He knows he's fucking around. That's what men do sometimes. That's life, especially in 1990 fucking... Actually, it's like 1990, right? 91 around there. So shit happens. And this is a guy... Anyway, so he does this. He did bitch shoots his fucking wife in the face, man. You don't think he had any hand in it or prior knowledge? You think this was all her? I sincerely believe that because I've known a couple of crazy women in my life where something like that could have gone down. Like if he was to have been involved in any capacity... They didn't not have mob hookups. He could have had somebody kind of take care of it. Why would someone you, a little more confident than the sixty? That wouldn't have been traced, especially back then. There's no DNA. There's like you know what I mean. You could have just popped somebody and yeah. walked. So where did she get the gun? She had to fuck another kid. That's the problem. And borrow like his parents' gun. Yeah. So she fucks this kid who then has to drive her there because her car's in the shop. She's got no car. She's like, listen, I'm going to give you free sex. But she, he was supposed to shoot the woman. She's like, I'm going to fuck you as much as you want, but you got to shoot this bitch for me so I get my boyfriend. And he's like, okay. So in the movie, and there's many movies, he pulls up in the car and he's like, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you fucked me a lot. You know, I'm, I'm not going to shoot anyone. She's like, give me the fucking gun. So she walks up to the door and she's like, your husband is fucking my sister. And she's like, what? Why are you talking? Ashley, she didn't talk like that. She's like, what do you mean he's fucking your sister? And then, bow. And then she did talk like that. Oh, no, no, no. I'm jelly. Fucking jelly. And are then, still married? no. Dude, it gets so much more fucked up. Because they did stay married for quite some time. Because she right? believed him. He's like, listen, I didn't do this. And he didn't shoot her. I get that. And then, I had a wife once break her leg. She was kind of a whore, but she broke her leg and in a really couldn't walk way and needed surgery, the whole thing. And then you got to do the whole thing in the house. So I guess he's dutifully caring for her. I wasn't happily caring for this bitch because she did something irresponsible to break her leg. And I was like, I'll care for you, but I'm a little annoyed your fucking legs broke and I'm taking care of your son and all that shit. That's fine. Not that I'm bitter. I'm bitter. So sounds like you are a little fucking bit. And I lost the kid in the end. I love the kid. I raised him up. He's all smart and shit. Nah, not my life anymore. So, he's caring for the wife. He's nursing her back. There's multiple surgeries. They go on the Howard Stern show. It's a thing. So they go on the Howard Stern show, and the whole time he's like, "I didn't do this. I would never cheat on. I would never do this." And then court finally shakes down. Now we're like two and a half years in. I'm also impressed that Joey Bonafuco just turned into Vinnie Barbarino. <laughs> More or less the same guy. That's Vin. That's a sweat hog grown up, bro. I, I feel like you're probably right. That probably is the thing. So now he has to plead. He's like, I did have sex with a minor. I didn't. I didn't pull a trigger on my wife. Just so we're clear. And he had to go away for a little bit. Did he? Yeah, a little bit. Not long. Eight months, four months, something. But he went away okay. for fucking a minor who then shot your wife in the face. Now the chick who shot her did time time. Yeah. Not that long. No, not in the grand scheme. But enough. Yeah. Like, changed your life. So, listen, you don't know the rest of it. In the interim, eventually, Mary Jo, I think he kept fucking around. 
Like he's just, I think he just, he gets out of jail free card. She stays with him. Now he's locked up, but they were together like 10 years after. So now he keeps fucking around. Now she's like, I'm out. Joey, I don't leave, Joey. You're my own wife. So she leaves. She's still around. You can look her up. There's a reality show that you don't remember from about 15 years ago. I don't watch reality shows. Where Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco get back together. No. No, it's a real thing. What year was this? Oh, I don't, we, we look it up on your phone. Was it, was it before or after she did porn? I think it. I think after. Maybe before. No, right around the same time. Because the porn was like 2011. I dug into that a little bit. So, no, look it up. When was the reality show between Amy Fisher and Joey Buttafuoco? And they got back together. He fucked her again. Really? Probably around the same time. Money is money. I guess. Maybe a little earlier, a little later. In that, in that realm, I'm very curious what comes up. Scandal made me famous? Well, what year is it? This says that was 2016. Yeah, so it's after the porn. Okay, so well after the porn. 16? Really? That's what this says. Now, while she's doing the porn, she got like this big fucking... Yes, here it is. Oh, wait. Oh, this is when it was posted. No, video, Joey Bonifuco reunites with Amy Fisher. Yeah. Yep, that's the thing. So what's the year? That's uh, it's just it's showing a YouTube video clip of All it. Right, it was I'm posted in 2019. Yeah, it's before that. It's before that. It says the TV episode aired in 2016. That's it. That's the answer. So there was a little reality show in 16, and that was the thing. It was good times, had by all. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Short-lived, by the way. And then they came out later, and they were like, it was kind of put on for the producers. We didn't really hit it off. She was kind of a smoke show. Yeah, until she talks. Well, he, he talks like that, too. I know, but it drives me crazy. I, I hate that Long Island accent. I want to fight the movie. Joey! Yeah, that. Yeah, it's horrible. But they were a thing. So that's fucking... I sit here knowing full well that I am spitting out, you know, every phrase that I say with a horrible Philadelphia Delco accent. Delco is a thing. It really is, and I'm cool with it. I'm lifelong Delco. What can I do? What can I do? (laughs) So seven years ago, they're fucking. 30 years ago is the Blowies in the head. 31 years ago. And then seven years ago, they're back together for a few minutes. I know that at the time... In between them both doing jail time and porn. Yeah. Well, he didn't do porn. I think she just did porn. Yeah. You don't want to see him. Maybe he did porn. We should look it up. I didn't really want to see him. Now, when she was doing the porn and she went on Stern and stuff and was trying to make the money from that whole thing, she had this big, good-looking, muscular Italian dude husband with the salt and pepper hair who looked like Joey Buttafuoco 2.0, really. Yeah. But he was good-looking. It wasn't like as uh, buffoonish. And he, they were on Stern. They'd fight with Howard Stern, and you're exploiting my wife, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, explain your wife. She's in pornography. I think you're exploiting your wife yourself there, yeah. you know? And then they break up. I don't know why. And then she does the whole thing with Joey, which doesn't go anywhere. And now he's selling stuff. But he made a so, whole life so out I of did, this. I did possibly. There's a there's a small chance that maybe I did actually glance at uh, the, the porn. I've watched her porn. She's got a great body. And the first dude that she sleeps with in the porn is straight up Joey Bonafuco, too. That might be he, her husband. He's definitely. No, he's older. No, that's my point. I said she had an older husband. I don't know. I mean, it might was, be. was he muscular? Not really. No. Oh. 
Must, uh, salt and pepper hair, though, right? It was like mostly gray. Yeah, that's her husband. So that's what their point was. He's like, my wife's not a whore. She's fucking me on camera. You know what I mean? That's not right. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, I don't know what's crazy. Money's money. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you could sell it, I guess. I don't know. Are you doing porn? I don't have to do porn. You know why I don't have to do porn? I can do anything else. And if you're married, not Mary Joe, if you're fucking Amy Fisher, what else do you got? I mean, hey, Mary Joe could have done it too. I'm sure there's a market. Out there. I guarantee you there's a market out there because people are into weird shit. Here's the thing poor Mary Joe is kind of a nice chick. She's a stand up broad, gets popped in the face, she's fucked up for life, and she goes on talk shows once in a while. And, but she's all right. Like, she Was got, she ever on Stern? Yeah, many, many times. And then they were kind of nice to her because she's not the piece of shit. Right. Like she's the one who got popped in the fucking face. Like she didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> and she's not even cheating. She's a suburban housewife whose husband's a piece of shit. Yeah. That's a normal thing. That's spectacular. <laughs> the whole thing just blows my mind. That's like white. That's when I, I remember being enthralled by it and concerned simultaneously that this is the future of our country and how well it is. It really became a whole thing. Turns like, out you were kind of right. I mean, you know. It's, it's a mess out there. Alright, do you know why Maury pa Povich became famous the second time in his life? Do you know anything about that stuff? Uh, it's it, on the same order. It had to do with, because he was married to Connie Chung, right? Remember Anchorman? Yeah. Maury Povich was Anchorman. And Connie Chung and Maury Povich were both news anchors. Okay. And he got fired. Now, I don't know if he was drunk on air or if he fucked something up. He'd go fuck yourself, San Diego. Yeah. I don't know what he did because this is before my time. But he's fired, right? He's nothing. You poop mouth. <laughs> so good. It's a good reference. So Connie Chung continues at the time to be Connie Chung, yeah. making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in the 80s. And she was huge. She got huge. Well, no, she was tiny. But I meant, yeah, I know. But but he would have been too. They were in tandem. Yeah. Now they go to him and they're like, hi, we're a new show called A Current Affair. Yep. It's going to be this thing called tabloid television. Lord knows you're not working. You want to do this? And he's like, I'll do it but I want a percentage of the back end. And they're like, okay, sure, Maury Povich, no problem. And then you know what fell into his lap? The Rob Lowe sex tape. Oh, shit. And in the 80s, I forgot about that. in the 80s, you couldn't air stuff like this. Nope. But a tabloid reporter, Maury Povich, it made him famous. Like, famous. Like, it, was, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't regular, like, network news. It oh, was yeah. syndicated. Oh, yeah, it was garbage. And it was garbage, but the beautiful part is there's no rules to it. Because it's syndicated, you could choose to put it or not put it. And people were calling, wanting to see this every day with Rob Lowe watch. How much of the video we're going to see. Now, How the girl Rob Lowe's with in the video was underage too. Oh, you mistaken, just thought it was right? one girl. That's adorable. It was two 16-year-old girls. Right. Good for Rob Lowe, I guess. Child molestation. I mean, look, it's Hollywood. You know what the irony of that whole thing is? It made him stop drinking because he was like blind drunk during it, just partying. Nice. And now it's like 33 years he's sober or something. Yeah. So he he's and he aged perfectly and he's like respected and he's a fine actor, blah, blah, blah. But this was it. <laughs> see, I know a lot of shit. I shouldn't be saying this. Wasn't he partying with Robert Downey Jr. like around that time period? Weren't they like getting hammered together? No, because one was crack and one wasn't. So not really. Oh, okay. Um, this was done at the Republican National Convention. 
I don't know if you know any of this, because I'm older. So the Republican National Convention's happening. Rob Lowe's like one of the young Republicans speaking for the fucking country yeah. and shit. And this is when Bush is running for his first term and Reagan's coming off his second term. It's a whole thing. And Rob Lowe sets up the video camera and it, the feed is sent down to the bar where hundreds of people watch him yes. fuck two underage girls live. And then someone taped it and gave it to a current affair. Maury Povich breaks it and makes him famous. Now, he gets so much money from this oh, yeah. that he leaves and makes the Maury Povich program. And in his mind, he's going to be Oprah. But he did not become Oprah. No. He became Who to Baby Dad show. You are not the father. Billionaire status. But hey, he's still balling from that. I'm sure he still makes bank from it. He's like 80. But yeah, yeah. he made a kajillion dollars. And him, then he kept dying. Jerry Springer. Well, I think Povich makes more. Oh, probably. But Springer's been around a minute, man. Oh, no, no, no. Springer's over 30 years in, too. But he, they're both off the air now. You know that, right? Yeah. You neither one's a thing anymore. But do you know how, you know what Springer came from? Like, I don't know. He was going to try to be governor. And yeah. he got caught with the hooker. You know he, about the hooker, right? the mayor of Cincinnati. But then he ran for governor yeah. in Ohio. And then he got caught. You know about this? Because he paid for the hooker with a city check. This is... Dude, I don't got to tell you this. On the TV Dads Wrestling Federation, yes. we used to take we'll to we used to take that commercial about I paid it for it with a check. A woman I should have, and that was our commercial that we would run in between <laughs> programs because one of the characters was Jerry Springer. Oh my god, that's the thing. I love Jerry the Springer Springer. Mafia. We called it Springer Mafia. Oh, yeah. Steve Wilkos a member of the yeah. Oh yeah, because he had to be like the enforcer. He, he was like he was like your big white Virgil. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it was. You're you're 100 right. 100. Remember Virgil and the million dollar man? Who are you talking to? Of course I remember Virgil. I know where Virgil's at now. I know too much about Virgil. Oh, I want to know where is Virgil now? All right, so we covered you... where Amy and you know Mary Joe and Joey Bartopuco are. Where is Virgil? When you go to these like autograph signings, he's at the far corner and no one's ever around his table ever. That's sad. It is sad and. He got paid a lot of money, well, a decent amount of money, 35 years ago, not to wrestle, right? He didn't have to get in the ring every night. Yeah. He was the bodyguard for the Mindar Man. Yeah. But the shtick is very thin, and he's not well-remembered. Like, no one goes, I want to see Virgil when I go to the Comic-Con. They don't give a fuck about Virgil. I kind of do want to see him. No, again, though, there's no line. Like, if you yeah. go to see, like, Mankind, it's around the fucking corner. Yeah, that's the whole different Nick aspect. Foley's a thing. No, but they're both the same fucking business. You know yeah, what I mean? But, like, but Nick Foley made an indelible impression on wrestling forever. He's trying to do stand-up now. It's not good. I don't know. He's pretty funny. It's not good. Stand-up's a different gig, though. It is a different gig. You know who's really good at spoken word is... Uh, Henry Rollins. Exactly. Yes. He's amazing at it. He really is. And, like, I find... If I was to do it, because you and I both talk on stage. See, I feel like I can do it. I know I, I feel could. like I can do it. And I kind of want to do it. I kind of want to venture into that and try it. I would like to at least try it. Uh, we're thinking the same thing here, man. Uh, you know they have a comedy open mic at Bar 13 every Wednesday night, right? But um, I would do it Rollins style. I wouldn't be comedy. I would tell fucked up stories of things. It's that open mic. You can get up there and tell whatever you want, I guess. Would you do it? Fuck yeah. When are we doing it? I don't know. But, but you, I, you, work, you work every work a Wednesday night. Yeah, you work every Wednesday. Yeah, I'll take a day off. It's fine. What would your shtick be? Do you have any kind of material? Uh, so my goal, because I figure they don't, out the gate, they probably don't give you a ton of time. Yeah, I agree. Right? <clears throat> I figure the best thing to do, all right, to make other people laugh, if that is the goal, to make other people laugh, um, the easiest and best way to do that is to be self-deprecating. I agree. And I have 10 minutes of just... 
the most embarrassing things that have ever happened to me in my life. Ten minutes is a long time. I could probably talk for ten... Is it really? No. All right, now listen. We sit here without a break for an hour constantly, and it's, it goes off without a hitch. Okay. Now, I have a lot of respect for the art form of stand-up comedy. Oh, absolutely. Personally. It's not easy. I guarantee you it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Now, all right, there's Especially a couple... when you have, like, a weird shtick, like when you're doing something that most people don't or can't do, like Norm MacDonald. Norm <laughs> MacDonald had a thing about him that he would just not let a joke go until it got uncomfortable, and it was hilarious. I have a Norm MacDonald story. Go ahead. I heard this week that I loved. All right, because I have one too, and maybe it's the same. No, I doubt it. He, there's a lot of them. Go for so it. So he'd go on stage, and they had like, he was doing a residency where he was at this club for like a week, right? And every night there's two shows. If he killed on stage, when they were done, he'd go backstage and they'd all play uh, cards in the back, like hearts or like fucking poker or something, because he likes to gamble. If he bombed, he would run to the door and say goodnight. To every single person. Thank you for coming. That's Thank you for coming. Because he bombed and he wants to elongate it and make them feel worse as they're walking out the door. Okay. So that is, I had heard that story before, but that's not the one I was going to tell. Do you like Theo Vaughn at all? Of course. Okay. He's, Theo he's, Vaughn's funny. Do you know why he's a thing? No. He's from Road Rules. Okay. That's, no that was just, he was 18 years old. He was on okay. Road Rules and he just spun it off, which okay. I respect. Well, he has a podcast and he has I know. lots of really famous comedians on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And shortly after Norm MacDonald passed, uh, he had Jim Brewer on. Mm-hmm. Did you hear this? There's two, but go ahead. When he got banned from Utah? All right, tell them. I know it. Right, so Norm MacDonald was banned from Utah <laughs> because apparently him, Jim Brewer, and Daryl Hammond exactly. were touring. At the uh, time, Saturday Night Live people. They were Saturday Night Live people. It was <clears> summertime. They were on a break. And a lot of comedians from that show did tours in the summertime. They got a gig at a college, which is in Utah, that uh, Jim Brewer made it a point to say it was not BYU. He wouldn't say what university it was, but he said it was not BYU. However, it being Utah, I imagine there is a very large, very conservative Mormon population attending the show. And the governor was there. And the governor was there. He said that when they arrived, they informed them that this is not only a show for the kids at the college, there are uh, dignitaries, there are alumni, families, there are families little children, kids. and let's uh, do this show clean. Yes. And they're like, we brought you in because we know you do live television so yeah. you can handle the no swearing. So Daryl Hammond goes on first, and apparently at that time, he didn't do anything that was over the top of his act anyway. Well, no, he was doing Clinton and stuff, which was like topical. So it was just, again, the impressions of topical comedy where it wasn't really, you know, anything edgy to begin with. Brewer said he had to tone down his act a little bit, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really out of control. He said they both do well, the crowd is happy, and Norm MacDonald gets up to headline, and the first thing he says when he walks out on the stage is, so if you're gay, would you rather be the ass guy or the dick guy? <laughs> and then apparently he talks about that for seven minutes. Here's where he's like, because I hear what, if you're the ass guy, it would hurt. I know if you're the ass guy, maybe that's just going to be uncomfortable. But if you're the dick guy, and seven minutes of that, seven minutes he did this, 
in a place where he wasn't even supposed to swear. People are <laughs> running for the exit, grabbing their children, and the governor banned him from Utah. And I find that to be the most <laughs> spectacular thing ever, ever, ever. But he said, Burr said that the kids were howling. The college students oh, loved yeah. it. And then he's like, what, what do you want, fucking airplane jokes? I don't do airplane jokes. That was a thing. So that's one of my favorite comedy stories ever. One of my other favorite comedy stories ever is Bill Burr in Philadelphia. That's a, Well, that's a pretty class. Everybody knows that one. But that's the most beautiful thing ever. Like how you can turn a crowd who hates you. They well, were heckling and booing. I, my favorite thing he says out of the 10-minute diatribe, he's like, you have a real boxer. Yeah. And you make a statue for a fake one called Rocky Balboa. Yeah. What about fucking, you know, Joe? Like, yeah. He was a real, but Smoking Joe's a real boxer. Yes, he was. Yeah. But that's a spectacular one. So, Bill Burr is on my list of favorite comedians. Now, we've sat here and discussed wrestling and comedy, and at no point have we gotten to Andy Kaufman yet. Oh, yes. Because Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler is one of the greatest comedic heists in the history of fucking comedy and possibly wrestling. Okay, I'm with you. What do you want? What do you want to discuss about? Uh, because you probably know this story better. Why don't you lay out the details? It's pretty for great. The people that don't know, it's fucked up. This is so good. So Andy this becomes so good. Andy becomes famous because of Taxi, right? He's now a fucking real star. And remember, yeah. Dave, this is a time Channel Three, Channel Six, Channel Ten. Well, that's it. So if you're on a network show in the 1970s, end of the early 80s, you're a fucking famous person. You might not even be beloved, but you're famous. Yeah. And Latka's character, right? Andy Kaufman played, oh, I'm not God, beep, beep. Like, yeah. He was fucking funny. People loved him. And so he went down to Memphis and he says, hey, can I can I be a, a bad guy wrestler in Memphis? And they're like, yeah. I don't know, Mr. Kaufman. Uh, this is, he's like, no, no, listen, I got a shtick. I'm going to I'm, I'm come out. And I'm going to proclaim myself that I'm from Hollywood. And I got money, and I'm going to wrestle only women. Yeah, the intergender self-proclaimed champion, which is amazing, <laughs> by the way. And he's a huge fucking star. Before you go any further, I want you to imagine in your brain someone trying to pull that off today. It would be epic. It would be epic. Well, it, the thing is, K. Fame's broken. Right, but back then it wasn't. People thought wrestling was real for real. Yeah, they really did. Oh yeah, like people get stabbed and shot at the thing. Like it was a whole thing. So Andy Kaufman now starts making vignettes where he's like, "I'm coming down to Memphis, Tennessee. Dude, dude, I'm from Hollywood. I got money, and I'm gonna show you." And he's like, "I'm gonna." I even he would go and he's like, "Any woman that wants to wrestle me in this building, you come up and you come up." And no matter how angry this woman was, he's a man. Yeah. So he would just tie her in a knot and wear her down and one, two, three. And he's like, I'm the greatest. So the shtick becomes Jerry Lawler's like, I don't like this guy beating women up. Yeah. This is bullshit. Not in Memphis wrestling. We don't do that here. And it became Lawler's going to be versus Kaufman. And he gives him a pile driver in the ring. Yeah. You know, now it's a work. It's not real. But we don't know this, right? And nobody knew it. No one knows. And his people are calling him and they're like, 
you can't do this, Andy. People fucking hate you. Yeah. You're a TV star. He's like, it's perfect. It this is. is fuck- and he- that's the goal. Like, the goal was for people to hate him. <laughs> Like he went into it with that in mind. He did it for free, bro. Like he didn't even want money. He's like, no, I got this. So he's laying there in the ring. They do the pile driver. He's like, get the ambulance. They bring the ambulance and he comes back next week. He's on TV with a fucking collar. And he's like, you broke my neck. I'm going to sue you. Blah, blah, blah. And it got so much heat that they go on the David Letterman show. Right. Now, Letterman doesn't know it's real. Are it's we sure? Fake. Does yeah. Letterman not know? He doesn't know. Because, again, at this time, all right, this is spinning off, and I apologize. Not Dr. Cool. David Schultz slapped the guy from 2020, David Stossel, on TV. Do you know that story? John Stossel. Yeah, do you know that yeah. story? Yep. Okay, that's years that's after. Yeah. So at this point in like 83, there you do you think it's real? There's yeah. no way, there's no hint that this isn't really happening, right? And Andy committed. Like it was like, so if you look it up on YouTube, look up the footage, it's amazing. Lawler's on set, he's sitting in a chair, Andy Coffin's running around with the neck brace, and they get up and they're yelling at each other, and fucking he slaps well, Andy. Andy Coffin throws coffee at him. I think the slap is first. Are you sure? And then he runs back and throws the coffee. That's possible. You might be right. But either way, Jerry Lawler slapped the fuck like, out of him. Like, like, bitch slapped the shit And he's out like, go, 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 go. Like, falls across the stage, and they go to commercial. Now they come back, and Andy's being cagey. He won't sit next to him because he got yeah. slapped. And he's like, you can't do that to me. You can't fucking do that. And so he's yelling, fuck, on network television. Yeah. And then he throws the hot coffee on him. And David Letterman's just sitting there, and he's like, I don't think you can say some of those words on TV, <laughs> but I know you can't throw coffee on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the end of the segment. And then his management made him stop. It was so big. Oh. They were like, listen, bro, you're going to get fucking fired. It is one of the best works in comedy it, and wrestling. It's together. the best ever because people thought it was real. Yeah. Like you have sold the biggest bill of goods to the entire Viewing world. Well, I remember. Like everyone thought this was for real. Here's the thing. Back then, Memphis wrestling was only in Memphis. Yeah. It didn't go coast to coast. Yeah. Cable wasn't a thing yet, right? right? So you had regionally famous people. You with me? Yeah. And so when this goes down, it made such an eruption in the press that it went coast to coast, yeah. which brought a lot of money into Memphis wrestling, right. but also embarrassed the career of Andy Kaufman almost to the point of no return. But he didn't give a fuck. Do you remember when Sunday Night Live went on, which is what discovered him before Taxi, and they were like, "Do you want Andy Kaufman on anymore?" And they voted no. The really? People, yeah, and that was it. He was no longer cool enough. Oh, he was so good though. He was so good. So brilliant. <laughs> Again, just to, to go that far for a bit, like you sold that so far. Well, what about uh? And like him and Lawler wound up being boys, didn't they? Like, they were they, homies. Yeah, like it was a work. They were really friends. Yeah, of course. Because like, I mean, obviously Lawler had to be in on it, but like. I think they wound up like actually becoming good friends. Well, like, yeah, because Lawler was like the booker who ran Memphis. Yeah. So unless he let you do it, it's not going to happen in he his house. He was Jerry Lawler. Yeah, the thing. He was the king. Um, what about Tony Clifton? What about that bit? Tony Clifton, I don't find as amusing as the Jerry Lawler thing, but it's also along the same lines of being just how did you come up with trying to work somebody <laughs> this bad? And so I like. The thing and of it is, Tony Clifton was Andy Kaufman, but 
But then it wasn't always Andy Kaufman. Well, no, uh, Zamunda. Zemeckis. Z- no, not Zemeckis. No, no it, it's your right. It's, uh, he was his right. Bob Zamuda. Bob Zamuda. That's it, Bob Zamuda. So they could both put the, the, the wig on and the mustache. Robert Zemeckis directed Back to the Future. He did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we like Back to the Future in this house. Because everything from the 80s was better. I don't know about that. I didn't like pubic hair. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I did. I, I wasn't a fan. And like, here's the thing. The I feel like people agreed and started phasing that out by the end of the 80s, though. Nah, you think there's... I was there. You weren't in the trenches yet. All right. So, see that thing on your face? When did the hardwood floor become a thing? 90s. 90s and is do, a 90s do, do you know why it became in, a thing? In the era of grunge. Do you know... Shaven vaginas became a thing. No. I find that fascinating. It's not, though. I'm going to try to tell you something. You're not listening. I am trying to listen. This is important. The Pamela Lee and Tommy sex tape exposed the shave pussy to the whole world. It wasn't a thing before that. Wow. It wasn't a thing. The thing on your face, that beard, is what vaginas look like, as far as the eye could see. And I was just happy to be there. I was like, I'm having sex, and this is great, and it's in my yeah. teeth, and I'll deal with it, and that's life. <laughs> deal with it. But overall, it was not very pleasant. And then I recently encountered someone who had a little bit, and I was like, you know I'm not going to kiss that, right? you got to fix that shit. And they're like, well, I'm like, no, no, no. If my mouth's going there, there's not going to be any fucking hair to deal with. I'm, I'm, not I'm not, I just don't do it. I will not. I don't do it. I won't fuck him if it's a bush. I'm like, you got to go. <laughs> you got to go. Can't do it. That's amazing. But the, all right. the movies from the 80s were better, though. I feel like there were some amazing Actually, movies. the 80s was pretty trite. If you were to ask me for like a golden cinema time, I'm going to say early to mid-90s is probably a pinnacle because of an age that I was. Right. But Pulp Fiction's amazing. Yes. Reservoir Dogs is amazing. Yeah. People talk shit, but Forrest Gump's a good movie. Like, yeah. I like to watch that fucking film. Jenny's I, a piece of shit. I hate Jenny. I had a woman here. I interviewed her. And she's like, I gotta stand up for Jenny. And she spoke just like that, by the way. You know who I'm talking about if you're watching. I don't. Not you. Yeah. They I'm fucking watching, know. I'm actually here. You're actually a part of it. But she was very vehement that Jenny's not a whore. And I'm like, Jenny's the worst fucking thing that ever happened ever. A thousand percent. Like, all right, let's do some fucking math. Jenny gets molested. Not pleasant. Not right. pleasant. Right. I don't hate Jenny for that. I'm not blaming her. For Jenny that. gets into college. Okay. Decides while she's in college to fucking make dirty pictures in Playboy magazine wearing the college fucking thing. Bad move. Then becomes a stripper who's going to play guitar. Bad move. So from there, you wind up fucking balls deep in fucking hippiedom with fucking needles in your arm in the 70s, yeah. listening to fucking Freebird and doing the heroin. And she's like, so he visited her at college and he prematurely ejaculated. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. So that's like his first boy girl experience. He's like 19 or 18 or whatever the fuck he is. Yeah. And then she fucking gets kicked out for being a whore. And then she becomes a stripper. And then she fucking goes and she's like, he's gets, he comes back with the medal of honor. Yeah. Like he's the man. Abby Hoffman looking guy pushes him on stage. I mean, this is all bullshit. It's a movie. And he's like, uh, this is what I got to say about the war. And they unplug his shit. And she's like, Forrest. They reconnect, right? Yeah. Then that little motherfucker beats her at the Black Panther party. Remember that dude? Punch yeah. her in the face? That Forrest fucks his shit up. Which I thought was amazing. I was glad that happened. Oh, I'm going to ruin this for a second. You know, Tom Hanks was on the plane that went to that island of the guy who didn't kill himself, right? Yeah, I'm well aware. That's a thing that I can't and resolve. I, I can't resolve it. I have a hard time wrapping my head around that myself. And I liked him as a person, but then you look at like Chet, his, his son, Who's kind of a human piece of garbage? Uh, Chet Hanks. He's the rapper. Yo, you know what I mean? I'm Chet Hanks. You've he, met him. He's not a kid. In, in who's Colin, not a piece of shit. Colin, right? Yes, okay. Colin's a good actor. 
But the other one, the he's all he's muscular as shit too. White boy summers his thing. He nah, went to some yeah. I don't know what that is. Oh, you don't want to know. Gonna <laughs> We're gonna pull him up in a moment. He had a whole moment. Now I'm gonna know. <laughs> so more to it. So then <laughs> going back to the fucking movie. So then she disappears into the 70s. Now she's a junkie. And of course, junkies get AIDS. Now she comes back when she has an incurable disease and she's like, I'll finally fuck you, Forrest. And right. he's like, okay, Jamie. Well, did she fuck him before she had AIDS? We don't know. We don't know. The thing of it is with AIDS, it's, it's pretty difficult for a heterosexual male when having vaginal intercourse with a woman right. to get it. Are we 100% sure that's even his kid? Are we 100%? I feel like Little Forest should have probably had a DNA Remember when they moved and they moved in the exact same way at the end of the movie when they were watching TV? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's the moment. We don't know shit, though. But, 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 even they're saying that she didn't have AIDS, she had hepatitis. Wrong. No, I'm just just saying. I don't get You can cover up. You're like, wrong. No, in, in my brain, she will always have AIDS. And you know what? Good. And then there's this great meme. She's like, oh, Forrest, I'll never love you till you're a shrimp billionaire and I'm dying. Yeah. Then I'll come back and marry you like a dirty hippie. And then fucking Lieutenant Dan shows up. You got metal legs, Lieutenant Dan. And then how come Lieutenant Dan married a pudgy Asian chick who's not pretty? Like, it's a movie, right? She could have been hot. Why wasn't she hotter? Like, she was a fat chick. Now, I'd have hit it. I'm not saying I'm not going to hit it. I'm I, have, I, I have a theory. I have a theory. What's your theory? My theory is that when he showed up at Forrest's wedding... Those metal legs looked awful fucking new. Okay. And maybe he pulled the pudgy Asian girl while he was still cripple Lieutenant Dan. And then got the magic legs after. But he was a billionaire. Hey, man, I don't know what the magic leg technology was at that point in time, dude. I have no clue. No. I'm unaware of the situation. A cripple guy. Oh, I shouldn't (laughs) say that. A guy in a wheelchair with a billion dollars. Well, not. Maybe his dick works. I don't know. His dick worked. So, remember, it was just below the knee. So, it was. I, you don't know where she came from either, all right? I feel like it was a Vietnam thing. Look, and yeah, probably that's where he got the fever. He probably got the yellow fever from from the Vietnams, all right? That's probably the thing. Yes, but at the same time, for all you know, he was living in New York City, and he picked her up at the local wishy-washy. He's, you don't running, know that. he's he, in Mississippi running the fucking shrimp boat. I'm not, all right, baby. I'm sure there's wishy washes missing. And then he invested in Apple Corporation and made Steve Jobs with fucked shrimp money. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah, some kind of fruit company. (laughs) (laughs) Stumbling into greatness somehow, Forrest. No, my whole life's been that. I backed into a career, bro. I I own three companies. How the fuck did that happen? I can't even spell company. I own three of them, though. Well, there you go. You're doing fine. I'm, I'm Forrest and life up, man. Right? My mom always said if they ever wrote a book about me, it would be called Stumbling into Greatness. That's a good title. I'm not title. sure how to take that. It's a good title. It really is. You should write that book. I probably should. I feel like it's going to be really disjointed, though. No, it'll be really overpriced, and no one will buy it. It'll be it, awesome. I, I'm just going to undercut you by like eight bucks. I could have undercut it by five. Like you could have Vex's book for a hundred dollars with autograph, but Dave will knock that shit out. Ninety-two dollars, ninety-one fifty on the good day. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I'm going to do it, man. That's what's going down. We're going to write books and play music and probably keep doing this podcast like a bunch of assholes. You got to push the show because it's now. We are going to push the show. What show are we pushing? Oh, we should push 
the show that we're going to attend tomorrow for our friend John Mack, our dear friend. All right, John I'm going to let him do this. Hold on. All right. So tomorrow evening at Bar 13. Give a date. Saturday, January 7th. Yes. At Bar 13 in Wilmington, Delaware. You should attend the show and see our dear friend, who happens to be both of our drummers. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, our friend Johnny Mack in his third band, Dreadstar, will be playing that evening at approximately 10 p.m. Arrive at 9 and hang out with us. We'll be there. But the show that we really want to promote, sir. January 14th at Dobbs on South. Dobbs, the club, the famous place. I believe it's 304 South Street. <laughs> 301, 304. I think it's 304. Put it in your GPS. It's the 21st century. So it's the 14th. It's January 14th. Pistol Razor, Starscream, Abydos, and mm -hmm. Gutter Royale. Oh, you're wearing the shirt? I am wearing a Gutter Royal t-shirt. You know, right I, that shirt doesn't look good on my body. I bought it. No, it just doesn't hang great. Like, it's just not well, a I'm fat as shit. No shirts really look that great. I disagree. Me. You're a handsome young boy. <sighs> you know, it's all about talking shit. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 165 of the Vex on Vex podcast. The Vex on Vex podcast is available on the Podbean application on your phone under the Loud and Loaded Network. Dave, thanks for your time. Always a pleasure, sir. Enjoy good. your morning radio. <laughs> This is Vex X and Dave telling you to stay frosty.